Welcome to Festival Nation on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Here's your host, Marla Davies. Hey now, it's Festival Nation where we celebrate the magical world of music festivals. Today we're going to talk to renowned rock photographer and filmmaker Jay Blakesburg. You'll hear about his early days as a photographer, his love of the Grateful Dead, and how far he's gone to get that perfect shot. But first... Time now for your best news flash. Coachella was the first large festival to postpone and then cancel for 2020. They rescheduled the original dates to October 2020 and then rescheduled to April 2021 to again now push that back to October 2021. Coachella is one of the big ones and a really good barometer for what to expect in the coming year. Golden Voice CEO and Coachella founder Paul Tillett's office said that the new date will either be in the first or second week of October 2021, but they're holding the first three weeks just to be safe, as not all the artists have confirmed their availability. Another source close to the situation adds that they would not be surprised if Coachella ended up pushing its 2020 festival all the way to 2022. Due to potential scheduling conflicts for the hundreds of artists involved and the current lack of a vaccine for the virus. And according to Rolling Stone, several other marquee festivals, including Governor's Ball, Shaky Knees, and Austin City Limits, will push to mid-September and early October as well. And leave it to the flaming lips. Always so weird and wonderful and forward-thinking to create a bubble concert where attendees all were in their own personal bubbles. The show was October 12th in their hometown of Oklahoma City, and the 100 guests were mostly family and friends. The band was shooting their latest music video, Assassins of Youth and Brother Eye. It was so successful that Wayne Coyne and the band are thinking of a limited tour. Previously, they performed on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, featuring about 20 audience members in similar bubbles. And the band introduced the bubbles also at Coachella way back in 2004. Concert goers were socially distanced and escorted to their sanitized bubbles, which were blown up then with leaf blowers. Comfort level in the bubble is about one hour. And of course, my biggest question, what if you need to pee? Well, apparently you can get out of the bubble, just unzip and go. Coin says, I really do love being able to do something that isn't just waiting for it to be over. He says, I do think eventually we will be doing concerts again. I don't know if they'll ever be back to normal or back to what it was, but I'd rather be a little restricted and know that we're not harming each other. Let's hear a clip from the Flaming Lips Bubble Concert here on Festival Nation. Festival Nation, celebrating the magical world of music festivals. In early 2020, February 18th to be exact, I had a chance to join Jay Blakesburg at his home in San Francisco. 
Festival Nation, the podcast, along with the Pantheon Podcast Network, had teamed up with the Skull and Roses Festival, which was to be held at the Ventura County Fairgrounds on April 2nd through the 5th. The festival was a multi-day festival celebrating the magic and the music and the community of the Grateful Dead. As the pandemic took hold, we started to see the first batch of festivals cancel and postpone. The first big one was South by Southwest and then Coachella, Stagecoach, and Skull and Roses. Well, it was inevitable. As any good marketing campaign, I was saving the biggest names and best interviews for last. O'Teal Burbridge, Melvin Seals, and Jay Blakesburg. As the spring, summer, and fall concert season of 2020 has come and gone, we are now looking ahead to 2021. In the next few weeks, Skull and Roses has an announcement for their plan to gather in April of 2021. We'll give you more details when we talk to the founder on Festival Nation. That'll be coming up soon. I've been holding on to these last Skull and Roses interviews, but thought now was a good time to share. The conversation gives you a peek into a pre-pandemic world we could have been last spring at Skull and Roses. You'll hear all the excitement that Jay has about his upcoming 2020 tour schedule that didn't happen. A new Grateful Dead Traveling Museum, which has an amazing collection of instruments, and we hope we'll see the light of day sometime in 2021. And you'll also hear lots of tour stories from Jay. He is quite the storyteller after all. Please welcome Jay Blakesburg. Welcome. Beautiful, sunny, beautiful San Francisco. And it I've never been to this little part of your little paradise, your little world up here. It's nice. Yeah, it's a groovy little neighborhood. You know, the best part about my neighborhood is that I can come home from a show at the Fillmore or, you know, the Independent or Terrapin Crossroads, Sweetwater at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I can park right in front of my house. That's yeah. There's always parking in my neighborhood. That knock on wood, right? Yeah, that's the best part about this. That's, yeah, that, that's the kind of thing you see in a movie, right? You yeah. Know, somebody pulls right in front of their home yeah. in San Francisco and no yeah. worries. Well, don't you have a driveway too? Yeah, we have a driveway. So, you know, last resort. But I mean, you know, I've lived here 22 years and I've never had to park more than one house away from my That's fantastic. From my house. So, yeah. In fact, I parked right in front of your house. Yeah, right. So e- easy. it was good. Although I, I was kind of standing in the street and somebody was like, could you move out of the way? Because only one car can go by. <laughs> so this is re- it's really cool. Thanks for spending sure. your time with us. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you at Skull and Roses too. Yeah, super there. excited. We're going to talk a lot about Skull and Roses Festival. We're both virgins. Neither of us have been to Skull and Roses. This is true. Yep. Uh, it's coming to Ventura County Fairgrounds April 2nd through the 5th. And you're doing a little something special there because you're going to do a slideshow. Is that cause? Is that a cool? Is that like the cool photography thing to do as a slideshow? Well, so I have um, uh, I've been doing speaking events, speaking presentations around the country uh, for four or five years now. And so I've, I've done 15 coffee table books of my music photography. Yes, you and, have. And, and my newest book is on Jerry Garcia. And uh, so five years ago when I put out a book called Hippie Chick, A Tale of Love, Devotion, and Surrender, which is about women and music festivals, I decided that I didn't want to just do regular old book signings where I stand there and um, shake people's hands and do selfies and sign books. Right. And so I put together a slideshow that I sort of narrate in real time and tell stories and tell stories about, you know, experiences and photographs and places I've been and, you know, why I took these photographs and where they were from and things like that. And so, uh, 
uh, a year or two after that, I was doing this little tiny, I'll call it a festival because it's a multi-day thing with a bunch of different bands, but it, it was, um, it took place with, uh, it was hosted by leftover salmon okay. and it took place at the Stanley hotel in Estes park, Colorado. Right. Oh, that's, is that where that, the shiny, that's the shiny, uh-huh, yeah, okay. the shiny hotel. Ooh. And, uh, they have a ballroom there and it was, you know, uh, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday music, multiple artists, uh, leftover headlined every night. Um, super, super fun event. And they said to me, hey, for one of the daytime events, do you want to do a Grateful Dead slideshow? And I was like, that sounds like fun. So I put together this, you know, 35, 40 minute slideshow that I narrated again in real time and just talking about, you know, different experiences and things I photographed. And over time, that slideshow has evolved into this 90 minute Presentation. Uh, presentation that is, uh, again, it's not scripted, but I look at these images and I tell the stories based on these images and it's never, just like the Grateful Dead, it's never the same show twice nice. because I, you know, sometimes they tell more about a particular thing or less about a particular thing and, and uh, I remember things that I'm like, oh yeah, and then, by the way, this happened as well. And so... Um, the slideshow kind of is ever evolving. For some of your experiences, I mean, you've been a deadhead for what? Is it officially 77 or something? Yeah, se- yep, 77 is when I first saw the Grateful Dead in 78. 77, I first saw them, 78 when I first photographed them. So, yeah, so there's a lot of stories and a lot of visuals. And, you know, the good thing about it is like I can tell these stories and I have the photos to back them up, you know? Right. And so that's, it's a, it's music to it as well. uh, No, I don't know. No music. It's so it's this good double whammy. And, uh, anyway, so most of the time, you know, like I'm doing, uh, some nightclubs and I'm doing like the botanical gardens in Miami beach. And so on this particular tour I'm doing next week on two of them, it'll be like around a 70 minute presentation and two of them will be a 90 minute presentation. Just depends on what the venue is and what's happening that night. Uh, sometimes there's a band that plays after me. Sometimes there's other things going on. Uh, so, but I've done it, fun. you know, I, I know you interviewed O'Teal Burbridge from Dead sure. & Co for the Skull & Roses podcast last, not last November, the November before I did this event down in Boca Raton, Florida. Actually, I'm sorry, in Fort Lauderdale. My parents live in Boca Raton. I did it in Fort Lauderdale, Florida at the JCC and I did my slideshow and then I interviewed O'Teal on stage for an hour afterwards. And O'Teal's uh, so nice. So, such a great person. A great love, love O'Teal to pieces. Again, you know, Depending on where it is, sometimes we do them for free. Sometimes it's a ten dollar ticket. Sometimes it's a fifteen dollar ticket. But you know, it's usually it's never been more than fifteen or sixteen or fifteen or eighteen dollars. I think is the most it's ever been. And usually that money just goes to covering the overhead of you know the venue. So you're not getting rich on the slideshow. I'm not making any. I don't get any of the money from any of the slideshows. I get money by people buying my books and buying my photographs. We set up a promotional. Yeah, we yeah we set up photo galleries at every one of these events so people can see my artwork, my photographs blown up and people can purchase that stuff uh and so at skull and roses because it's a music festival i'll be doing the one hour version of the slideshow okay which is still super fun and super engaging and dynamic and people say they really really love it and so it gives somebody uh, something something different to do and you almost feel like it's a little educational oh it absolutely it is educational it is entertaining Mm -hmm, it is informative mm -hmm. uh it is you know, all of the above. But additionally, on top of that, we're going to have a tent in the festival fairgrounds in the 
the main area. Okay, with your art and With books my and art. Things. We'll have a full gallery set up with probably uh, somewhere between 60 and 70 photographs nice. uh, hanging up. That Which people... are gorgeous, by the way. Thank you. So th- this one we're looking at right here, is that from Fairly Well? Fairly Well, yeah. Well, there's a print on the table here that uh, yeah. is sitting here. It's a pr- picture of Trey, Phil Lesh, and Bob Weir from Fairly Well. It's a, such and, a great uh, picture. Yeah, it's a print that somebody just purchased from me, and so we're going to get ready to ship that out. But, yeah, uh, yeah Bobby's so, in action. So we'll have a lot of vintage Grateful Dead photos okay. as well as all sorts of other artists. Uh, and I think there'll be some other cool art in there as well. And then the other thing that is going to happen is we, I believe, are going to have a little tiny Grateful Dead museum in, I oh. think, in the same tent as my gallery. And we're going to have okay. some Grateful Dead instruments. Um, that, okay, because you did, a, you did a book about guitars. I did do a book called Guitars That Jam a, num- a couple years ago, three, four years ago. Uh, but this particular exhibit uh, right now is going to, I believe, have two of Phil Lesh's guitars. Okay. Uh, the Mission Control bass guitar. And uh, hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn here because it has not been officially announced yet, but it is going to get announced very, very soon here, like I think by the end of this week. Because everyone loves it. I mean, you can't touch it, I'm sure. No, it'll be behind some Glass. stanchions. No, it'll be behind stanchions, you know, like ropes, like, you know, a little, little rope. Velvety ones? Uh, yeah, maybe. Right, let's uh, hope. So, so the way we're envisioning this right now is it'll be the same tent where my gallery will be in, and then also, I believe... Uh, there'll be these two bass guitars that were owned by Phil Lesh. One of them is the Mission Control bass guitar that was recently uh, purchased by a dear deadhead friend of all of ours. And so uh, it'll start getting put out there for people to play. I think mm. the Dark Star Orchestra guys just played it at one of their shows in Southern California. Uh, be played by other people as well. And so it'll so be like that. a loner, a little loner copy. There. Yeah. Like it'll just drop into shows here and there for people to play. <laughs> like it's his own personality. Uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, so this particular bass is called mission control. And it was the one that Phil used during the wall of sound era with the grateful dead in okay. 1973, 74 um, and uh, highlighted and featured exclu- uh, you know, extensively in the grateful dead movie. Uh, uh, the man who owns the guitar owns a second Phil Lesh bass guitar, or was a Ken Smith bass guitar. Uh, that'll be displayed, and I believe we're going to have two of Jerry Garcia's guitars there as well. Oh, because I know because it was at the Met, wasn't the the one of Jerry's the Wolf two, guitar? Well, was the it? Wolf and the Tiger guitar were both at the, the Met. Met, and then John. They actually let John Mayer when they played in New York. Yes, play and I, it. Yes, I, I was the person who actually facilitated. Oh, you did. Thing. Yeah. Well, good job. Yeah. So yeah. That's so. John, um, John, and actually I tell the story in my slideshow. Okay. Um, John, John, uh, it's a long story. The abbreviated version is, is that, uh, John is very sensitive to his place in this band. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, dead and company, yeah, dead and company. And you know, he is becoming more and more comfortable every day and the fans are very accepting of him. But when he first joined the band, like, you know, he, John has never tried to be Jerry Garcia. Right. John is a phenomenal guitar player. John Mayer wrote the forward for my Jerry Garcia book, you know, and, and 99.9% of the people that saw that book or read that forward thinks it's the greatest thing ever. And then of course there's the 1% of the naysayers who hide behind their computers who never go see live music that complain that, you know, why is John Mayer playing Jerry Garcia's guitar or why is John Mayer you know, writing, I know, but that's, writing, a, that's a small percentage, right, right? Yeah, writing the forward about a Jerry about Jerry Garcia. What does he know about Jerry Garcia? He never met Jerry Garcia. He never listened to Jerry Garcia when Jerry Garcia was live. John Mayer is a phenomenal writer, and John Mayer is a phenomenal guitar player. And that was the when I asked him to write the forward for my book, I said, "Listen, I want you to write the forward from the perspective of being a guitar player who has played in front of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of people at a time, and understands that place." 
on a stage like that and what it takes to do that. And he wrote the, he wrote so a, a forward that it, it, yeah. it will make you cry. Oh, you know, I know because it, it will make you cry. Because it is, the book's a, about Jerry and I was just thinking, yeah. like, gosh, I missed, I miss Jerry yeah. so much. It's so funny because I saw John Mayer. I worked for a, a station. We played John Mayer. I saw John play before he, you know, got into the dead. And I remember saying to about him, like, "Gosh, that guy plays so well. He just really needs a band. He needs to be in a real band." And then God knows he joined my favorite band. Yeah, so I mean, it was perfect. He, John for is me. John is incredible, and he is brilliant. And uh, and he and I feel like he doesn't imitate, and I, that's no, why a lot of that has no, love. No, 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 no. He has yeah. his own style, yes. and he has confidence. And he goes out and plays, and it's just, and it's wonderful. And he has the joy, the music has the joy that I love of the Grateful Dead, that happy yeah. feeling. I, I'm a fan. So, you know great. what? I'm, I won't tell the story about how John Mayer and I worked together to get him to play uh, the Wolf that, Guitar. You have to come to Skull and Roses and hear it in the slideshow. I love it. How's that? I'm coming. I'm yeah. coming to Skull and Roses. We are talking with Jay Blakesburg, renowned rock photographer and filmmaker. Uh, Skull and Roses, of course, Festival Nation, the podcast supporting the festival at Ventura County Fairgrounds, April the 2nd through the 5th. And uh, Or, you know, if you see my slideshows outside of Skull and Roses, you'll hear that story as well. But uh, again... Um, yeah, you, you know, got to save uh, something. you got to right, hold yeah. something so, back, Jay. So the museum will be, so I, I believe it'll all be in one tent, my exhibit, my gallery, and this little museum with some of these iconic Grateful Dead guitars, the alligator guitar that Graham Nash gave Jerry Garcia in 1971 uh, as a gift for Jerry playing pedal steel on teacher children on, on the CSNY record. Uh, That's a nice gift. And so that was the gift that, Graham gave to Jerry, and then of course Jerry played that all during 1972, including all of Europe 72 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. into 73. That was Jerry's primary guitar, and it was thought to have been missing for decades. But it turned out that Jerry's wife had it, and she recently decided to let it go. Which wife? Um, Deborah Coons, okay. his, his his last wife. His last wife. Yes. And uh, so well, it was it was purchased by uh, a guy here in the Bay Area who's a big guitar collector and a really fine gentleman, a wonderful person, and. And uh, he is going to bring that guitar as well as he also owns the uh, Martin D28, I believe. I am hope I'm not talking out of school here because I'm not a guitar guru guy. Do you play guitar, uh, by the I way? I do not, no. Okay. And I believe it's a Martin D28 that's like, you know, decades and decades and decades and decades and more decades old. And it's the one that Garcia played in 70 on the Festival Express, that movie. Oh, yeah, made. I see that. Yes, of right? course. So I believe that guitar and the electric uh, uh Fender Stratocaster alligator guitar will be on display with those two fill bases. We'll have some photographs of members of the Grateful Dead playing those hanging up in the gallery. And it's good if they get the light of day and they get to go to a festival. Yeah. They deserve to be oh, at yeah. a festival. They, they will be seen by a lot of people. And so, and this will be the first time that these instruments will be actually exhibited in a public uh, place. So again, you know, excuse me again, Skull and Roses will be the, uh, the first, the debut uh, the public debut of these particular instruments. So if you're Very cool. if you're a guitar geek and you want to see it, uh, unfortunately you won't be able to touch them. Even though you um, want to with but, all your heart. But you'll be able to like, you know, hold your phone up and turn around and, and, take do, a and do a selfie with it in the with them in the background. <laughs> there you so, go. Why not? Um, Why not? Well, I love the Skull and Rose is the fourth year. This is our, both going to be our first year. But you've been, I'm sure you see the Dead of Ventura. That's why they chose that location you saw the yeah. Dead so Ventura, I right? I actually did see the Grateful Dead at the Ventura County Fairgrounds in 1982. Me too. Um, Me too. I was there, and I saw I them again it. in 1987. 
Okay. And uh, have some photographs from those shows in 87, mostly pictures of just the fans dancing and having dancing fun. Dancing around. And I quit my, it's so funny, I've never quit a job before, but I worked at, I was working in LA at TGI Fridays. Uh-huh. And I told them, I need to go, I need to go to these shows at Ventura. And they said no. They and, said no. And, and you're I, like, see you later. Bye. I did. I quit my job. Perfect. I had to. I had, had to. to go. Yes. I mean, I'm so, and I do not you know look why back had, and regret you know, that. You know why I had to quit your job? Because you can't quit the mob, right? The <laughs> right. job, they'll just shove you out the door. But if you quit the mob, we'll come after you. <laughs> right. That's why I say when, when I have parties and on my guest list, people are like, I go, you're on, we're like the mob. Right. You will continually get right. invited even if you don't show up. Right. I mean, exactly. You can't get out that easy. Exactly. So you're, you and I both, we started, you know, you started in high school. You got the, yeah. you found the dead. Well, you're from New Jersey. I'm from I think. New Jersey originally. Right. You uh, got the word a little quicker. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Awesome. I don't know. We were trapped in. Did you ever see in... the Grateful Dead at the Stanley Theater in Pittsburgh? No, I did not. Uh, I, I saw know. them there on my 18th birthday in December of 1979. December of 1979. I know. I'm still pissed about that because you, I went to were college. You, were you old enough to go at that point? I was, yeah, we're the same age. Okay. So I went to college. I went to USC and I left in September, 1979. Right. And so I missed that yeah. Stanley Theater Because show. I was in college in New Jersey, my mm-hmm. freshman year also. Yeah, hello. And, I, like, why didn't I come home I early? Don't, I don't know I'm what I was sure thinking. I was really just pretending to be in college and <laughs> just kind of decided to jump in my 69 Chevy Nova and drive the eight hours from New Jersey to Alone? Pittsburgh. No, we had a whole car load oh, of people. Oh, duh. What am I thinking? Yeah, of course. No, we had got a, bunch, the pals. a bunch of hippies. I think we went there with four people and came back with six. <laughs> you know, that, kind of, that kind of thing. Sure, of course. But, uh, you know, pretty typical. But, um, you know. You drove to Pittsburgh I mean, in the winter. In the winter. I mean, Pennsylvania, that's a big state, dude. Yes, like, it is, you know, dude. Like, and, and you're on the other end. I'm on the other end. Trust yeah. me, I used we used to go to New Jersey when I was a kid. Right. Because my aunt had a cottage in Long Beach Island. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. Yeah, seven, eight hours, right? I would get car sick. As every a child, time. every Me too. time. I still get oh car gosh. sick as, a, as an adult. Me too. Yeah. I mean, sometimes now I get it, I'm driving. I'm like, wait, I'm getting car sick. Yeah. I know. That dri- it's long. Yeah. We're closer to the Ohio, so, West Virginia so side. Here, I'll tell you a funny story. Okay. Right. So I get motion sick really easily. I joke that I get motion sick looking at a glass of water. <laughs> um, I you can't, can't go, go on a cruise. I, I can't go on boats. Well, that's good. You can't. You couldn't have been on that cruise that got the coronavirus. No, no, coron- nothing no like jam that. cruise. Nothing like no that. No jam cruise for you. Right? right. You know, I can't read on airplanes. I have to be driving a car. I can't drive on windy roads, even when I'm driving. But um, right. In, in I two, get it. In 2003, I got hired to shoot the publicity photos for uh, the Dead. They were going out as the Dead with um, mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Herring and Joan and Joan Osborne yeah, Joan singing, Osborne. And, or maybe it was was it Warren Haynes? I think it was J- Jimmy Herring in that one. And uh, so they hired me to come do the shoot. So they want me to come up the day before to scout locations up in Nevada near the Grateful Dead warehouse. I wake up in the morning of the day we're scouting locations, and I get out of bed and I fall down. Oh no! And I get up and I fall down again. Oh no! And I'm having this like weird. You know, vertigo, equilibrium problem. It's never happened to me before. So I go to my office. This is when my office was still downtown, not in my house, south of Market, 9th and Folsom. And I'm in my chair. I'm at my desk, and I fall out of my chair. Oh, my. And I'm, like, freaking out. But I get in my car, and I drive up to Nevada, and I leave, like, two hours early So I, because I was a little nervous. Because you had to stop or something. And so I get up to there. I'm at the Grateful Dead Warehouse, and I'm in the bushes outside throwing up for for an hour. Okay, nonstop until there was nothing left to come out of my body. And then I go and have this meeting with the, all the, the man- band, the, not the band, but all the oh. managers. Right. And then we get in a car and I'm like in the passenger seat with the window down with my head out like a dog, 
you know, with a Ziploc bag. I right. Hope. And no, I, had, bag? I had nothing left to throw oh, up anymore. Oh, okay, I didn't, I didn't say a word to anybody, but I was dying. And we got through and we scouted all these locations. I drove back to San Francisco. What a trooper, man. Drove back to San Francisco, had a stop in Corte Madera at the little best Western hotel there. I know. I was so just I in Corte Madera. So, myself. I, could, so mm-hmm. I could throw up again. <laughs> okay. Got back to my office and called my wife and she took me to the emergency room. Oh my and they couldn't goodness. figure out what was going on, but my shoot was the next day. Okay, and so you can't miss that. They, they give me all these IVs and they pump me full of fluids because I had nothing left. I was dehydrated from all the vomiting. And this uh, is kind of a gross story. Yeah, just saying. Yeah, and then I I get up in the morning. I hired an extra assistant to sort of hold on to me when I'm because I like to shoot when I'm up on a step ladder to like hold on to me, make sure I wouldn't fall down. And I go up there the next day and my equilibrium thing, most of the problem was mostly gone, but I was no longer throwing up, but I was still a little bit dizzy and a little bit of a headache. I went up there and did the shoot and was a trooper all the way through and got the shots of the You band. got the shots. Got, I mean, you're got, a photographer. Got, so the, got the shots. You got to get yeah, the so, shots. So, and then you went home yeah, but, and died and like for home. a few days. No, you know what I did? I went home. Went to the airport, got on a red eye, and flew to Philadelphia for my grandmother's 80th birthday. You're you're a crazy man. I was crazy, and then I flew back the next day after that. But you, I was, are you still that crazy? Yeah, I'm still crazy. But I've only gotten that same vertigo problem um, two other times in my life since then. It's, I wish we hadn't even talked about it because now it's giving me that kind vertigo, of we, that not, crazy right, feeling. You've got vertigo, and you might like get car sick driving home. Well, because this is a windy road up to your place. Yeah. So you never know. Just drive slow. Festival Nation, celebrating the magical world of music festivals. You're listening to an interview with Jay Blakesburg, renowned rock and roll photographer that was recorded in February 2020 and was part of a mini-series on Skull and Roses, which would have been at the Ventura County Fairgrounds April the 2nd through the 5th. I left the interview mostly intact, and it gives you a reminder of a pre-pandemic world. Coming up, more stories from Jay Blakesburg about the 2020 tour that never was his favorite festival flashback, and why he never had time to become a fish head. More after this. Festival Nation, celebrating the magical world of music festivals. Hey now, it's Marla Davies. Today we're talking with Jay Blakesburg, renowned rock and roll photographer and filmmaker. Festival Nation, the podcast, and the Pantheon Podcast Network had teamed up with Skull and Roses, the festival, which would have been at the Ventura County Fairgrounds April 2nd through the 5th, 2020. We ran a series of interviews leading up to the event. I talked to Grateful Dead's longtime publicist, Dennis McNally, Big Steve Parrish, Steve Kimock, and Graham Lesh. The 2020 festival season began to tumble, and Skull and Roses, celebrating the music and community of the Grateful Dead, was canceled too. This interview with Jay Blakesburg was recorded in February 2020. We were both excited about the upcoming Skull and Roses Festival and a promising 2020 festival season. Please join me as we talk to Jay about his love of the Grateful Dead, photography, and music festivals. And Jay, beside being a renowned photographer, you've got tons of books out. In fact, you can check them out, all the gallery photos and his books at rockoutbooks.com. I noticed one of your books is called In Between the Dark and the Light about your time with the Grateful Dead. That was my first book that I ever published. I've actually done 15 coffee table books since then, or including that, I should Are say. Are you the coffee table book king now? Or well, I'm, I'm hoping that someday to have a coffee table made out of coffee table books like Kramer <laughs> in Seinfeld. 
but uh, yeah, so um, yeah, my new book is called Jerry Garcia's Secret Space of Dreams, and uh, you can check that out at rockoutbooks.com. Uh, I also have a bunch of gallery prints on there if you want to see some of my other f- photographs. Or purchase. Purchase, sure, and support the arts. Um, but yeah, so, you know, busy, busy festival season coming up. Uh, you know, the first festival I have this year is Skull and Roses, which is a new thing for me, my first year. And that's the first weekend in April. Super excited about that. Well, it's exciting because for us, I mean, we're deadheads and I need to be with my people. I need to get, I need to feel that. And it's all about, you oh, know, yeah. the dead experience. There's going to be a shakedown street there. And, you know, a lot of very cool bands are going to be playing, you know, dead bands, jam bands. That, yeah. You know, and, you know, it's love. interesting because when we were seeing the Grateful Dead back in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s even, there were no music festivals in this country. Not right? like that. Not like this. Now there's one in every region and every state and everywhere you go. And so um, so I've got Skull and Roses in early April, but typically before Skull and Roses um, came about and, you know, is rebranded this year and there's some new partners and they're growing the festival. Sure. And I think it's going to, you know, I think in the past couple of years, it's been maybe around 1,500 people. I think they're hoping that about 4,000 people will be at it this year. But still, that's a really wonderful so size. That, you know what? I love small boutique festivals like that. So when their goal is to hit 4,000, like that's my kind of festival. Like it's manageable, but you know, there's still enough people there that it's like a really good scene. You can have, you can, you, you know, you're not looking at the same 20 people all weekend. Right. And that just, um, you're not crammed in. I mean, if you want to walk up pretty much just right to the stage, there's a good chance that you have that chance yes, to do that. Yeah. It'll be really mellow. Everybody yes, really nice to each yeah. other, which is what I love. But um, typically before Skull and Roses came out, my first festival of the year was always a festival called Summer Camp Music Festival, which is in Chillicothe, Illinois, about three um, hours south of Chicago. Right. And it, it's I remember that festival. It's, it's, it's been around for 20 years, okay. actually. This year, I believe, is 20, or maybe last year was 20. But uh, uh, again, you know, it's it's hosted by Mo and Umphreys McGee. This year, I think they have Ween. Uh, J-Rad is playing. And um, I actually run the video crew at uh, Summer Camp Music Festival. I have about a 30, 35-person video crew. Fabulous festival. Love it. You know, it's interesting. A lot of the Deadhead festivals that I go to skew demographically to... Uh, you know, we'll say 75% of the audience is like our age. So we'll say they're, you know, anywhere from 40 to 60 years old, right? Right, right. Sure. And 25% of that is, you know, on the other ends of that, you know, a little bit older right. than 60 and a little bit younger than 40, right? Well, the great thing about summer camp is that 75 or 80% of it is like 30 and under. Okay, right? a lot of young and Yes, good, and then there's good. like 25% of us old, oldie, old, old, oldie but old, goodies. Oldie but goodies, exactly, old timers. We can still um, rock, man. Yeah, absolutely. We can rage with the best of them. So anyway, so I, I like that about summer camp, that it's a, you know, it is a, a youthful experience. Um, you know, it's super fun. There's multiple stages. Uh, uh, what do you like about a good festival, though? What is a good festival well, to you? Well, for me, a good festival is is like 10,000 people and under. To me, that's the starting point, right? The other thing for me about a good festival is a festival where you can actually see all the music. So I don't love... So Summer Camp has five stages. um, And so it's... But I'm also doing a different job there. I'm not there as a photographer. I'm I'm there running a video crew. And I do do photography. So I have to pick and choose very limited stuff what I shoot. Right? When you're working, it's different than yeah. just hanging. But for me, uh, for a music festival, like I like festivals, like for instance, the Lockin Festival. I've been the I've princi- been dying to go to the Lockin Festival. I've been the principal photographer there for seven years. This coming year will be my eighth. This okay. year they moved it to June, and they have one stage. Oh, they do one stage that spins. 
So okay. while one band is on, they're setting up the second band, and when the, that band ends, the stage spins around and the other band starts. And there's, That's a fabulous there's, idea. There's no downtime in between. But the beauty of that is, is you get to see every single act. So, because, yeah, if there's too many stages, for instance, we were talking about, like, Hardly Strictly Bluegrass, which I love. I mean, love. I went and saw, but you have to choose. You're going to have to miss something. Even New right. Orleans, the Jazz Festival. Same thing, Jazz Fest. You have to choose. Same thing, Jazz Fest, which I go to, and I'll be there this year again. Dead and Co. Well, Dead and Company playing, right? But yeah. I'll be there both weekends, actually. Are they playing both? Yeah, they no, play no, no, the they play, weekend, they're playing right? the second weekend, but I'll okay. be there both weekends. And uh, so the thing is, you know, Outside Lands, Lollapalooza, right. Coachella, you know, five stages, 80,000 people. Like to me, unfortunately, that's a turnoff, especially as a photographer, because when I'm up on a, on a stage or in front of a stage with a band, I want to be there for the whole set because you, you don't know, leave before encore. Yeah, well, because the magic doesn't happen in the first five minutes or it doesn't happen when you're only there for 15 minutes and you have to run to another stage and run to another stage. Right, it's too manic, really. It's just, it's too much. I like to, you know, plant myself at a stage and really work to get the brilliant photographs of that artist, because what on if that what stage. if something happened, like a guest jumped up on stage and you were at the other stage, you'd miss it. You would, yeah. yeah I'd have FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. <laughs> yes, I'd be like, what, you know? And luckily, at a lot of these festivals, because I'm working for the festival, you know, I typically know that there's going to be a sit-in. Like I, you know, right. Like most of that stuff is not very spontaneous. It's it's usually pre-planned. Um, but sometimes know. not. I mean, I was talking to someone that Dave Matthews was performing. It was outside lands and Fergie was on the side of the stage. And came out and sang. And she and came and nobody planned that. And even the girl that was with Fergie at right. the time standing there with her, she goes, I'm going to go get us drinks. And she turned around and Fer Fergie just ran out there. And I was there and I got the photo. FOMO. I got the photo. Get the photo. <laughs> I got the photo. No FOMO. I got the photo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you right, want to know why? It. And you, you want to know it. why? Because at Outside Lands, when I was shooting that year, I, my assignment was to just shoot that one stage. Okay. So I never really left that stage. So I didn't have to go anywhere else. But when you're at a at a Bonnaroo or something like that, where there's multiple stages and you're not necessarily assigned to a specific stage, same thing at Harley Strictly Bluegrass. I only shoot the banjo stage. So I don't leave. So I miss a ton of music. You do because I, and even just getting from stage to stage, yeah. it's a lot. I mean, even with, and you have a pass and you know, yeah. so that gets you into in and out. But if you're a regular person, it's right. not as easy. So at Skull and Roses this year, they were going to have two stages on opposite ends of the venue, mm -hmm. um, but no music at the same time. So if, right. if even if a, a, a festival has two stages or even three and there's not never more music on more than one stage, you're fine. Right, the gathering of the vibes used to be like that. They had two stages, yes. and there was never music on at the same time. Or sometimes they have the A and B stage, like yeah. the main stage, and then the one in the parking lot. Right, stage exactly. Or and so while the B stage is uh, playing music, the A stage is changing over for the next sure. band. Right. So again, so at Skull and Roses, I heard that they just made a big change, oh. and they're going to just have the revolving stage, like at Lock okay, because I heard the I, they must have just recently changed that they're going to have yep. mm -hmm. okay, because I thought they're going to have the two stages. Because I remember I went to that the jazz festival in New Orleans years ago, uh -huh. and I had to choose, and it was between Stevie Ray Vaughan on uh -huh. one or the Neville Brothers on the other, right. and it was a huge decision. Yeah, and I had seen Stevie Ray, I'd seen both bands, and right. I so at that moment Who'd you I choose? go. Who'd you choose? Stevie Ray. Smart And move. I'm so... Yeah, of I course. never regret... I mean, I still remember him playing not, Texas uh, not, No diss to the Neville brothers, but no. yeah, good move. Uh, but anyway, so uh, Skull and Roses, I believe, is going to be nonstop music that's, on one stage. That's revol fabulous. Revolving stage. So that'll be really great. And I'll be shooting Skull and Roses on the 
the festival. Okay, good. I'm the festival photographer, so I'll be out there documenting it and floating around, and and uh, which is why my slideshows will be on the early side of things, so I can get get to, out there and get the get to shot, work. get the shot, get to work. So the festivals, are what do you ever get to enjoy them really as a, a concert goer? Or are you always well, working. I, you know, I can't go see live music without having a camera because all I see is photographs that need to be taken. Right, and you have to have a camera. What do you think about people? Well, I like to call them pramateurs. Everyone's you probably have you heard that term? They're they're a professional amateur photographer now. Everyone's a photographer. Everyone. We all have a phone in our pocket. Yeah. What do you think about all that? Well, the professional. So you know, it's interesting. I was just interviewed the other day for a, a little mini, a little documentary that's being made about concert photography, and um, you know, one of the things that we talked about is that everybody has a camera, uh, but that it's easy to make a little bit of money as a photographer pretty much anywhere you go or whatever you're doing, but it's not easy to make a living. And so, you know, there's too many people that are willing to do it for a backstage pass or a photo pass or access, and they don't understand the business side of things. And it makes it very complicated for a lot of photographers that are up and coming to make a living. You know, it's hard for one up and coming photographer to say to a band or a manager or a record company or a website or a magazine, yeah, I'll go shoot that band for $500 when there's nine guys behind him or gals, whatever, saying, well, I'll go shoot that band if you just give me a, a photo pass and a meal ticket to eat backstage. Right. That's you how know? radio is, too. People, yeah. I mean, too many people are willing to do it for free, for free. So, and then it's hard to make so, a living. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, technology is the great disruptor in our world. It's disrupted the photography industry, the film industry, the music industry, obviously, and uh, the podcast industry, the radio industry. I mean, you know, and it's, you just have to figure out how to find your place in the script. Find and, your niche. Uh, and make it work. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, so I've got Summer Camp, and then I've got Mountain Jam, which is up at Bethel Woods. In, uh, that sounds that's like the, fun. actually the weekend after Summer Camp, so it's the last weekend in May. I think it rolls into maybe June 1st or something like that. I really have, because I've been, worked on a documentary forever called Woodstock Nation, and I've just, I, I'm, I feel like I'm a Woodstock aficionado. I know yeah, a lot and, and about I, that and area. And so last year I went to, so Mountain Jam in the past has was always up on Hunter Mountain, which is uh, near the town of Woodstock. It's closer to Woodstock than it is to Bethel. And it was an outdoor festival, and it's co-hosted by Warren Haynes of the sure. Allman Brothers and Government Mule, and et cetera, et cetera. And then um, they sort of, they got bought by a, by a radio conglomerate and they sort of switched formats and they started doing more alt rock and they sort of lost their way and lost their audience. And then last year they came back with a new partner, Live Nation, and moved it to Bethel Woods. And as they say, they put the jam back in Mountain Jam. And now it's a it's a jam band festival again. And uh, last year they sort of, you know, were rebuilding and regaining everybody's trust, which they did. And this year is going to be the same. They have you know, great music scheduled for, for Mountain Jam this year. So so it's uh, Summer Camp, Mountain Jam, and then I have a few weeks off, and then I'll go back to the East Coast for Lockin. And then I'll Lockin st- seems fabulous. Yeah. I mean, I, there's something really cool about Lockin. It'll be Lock-in. amazing. I love Lockin. Uh, huge fan. Um, we've done three coffee table books about the Lockin Festival okay. so far, and we're starting the fourth one now. Um, we do them every two years, so we've done them for years one and two, three and four, five and six. What's so fascinating about those big festivals, Lockin, Outside Lands, and they don't... They sell the tickets before they even tell you what the lineup is. So people have a lot of trust that yes. it's going to be something good. Well, Lock-In, I mean, last year's Lock-In, they did the Tedeschi Trucks Band with special guest Trey Anastasio playing all of Derek and the Domino's Layla record. And um, it was incredible. Yeah. It was absolutely phenomenal. You know, it's funny. I was talking to Mark Karen last night from the band Rat Dog, and yeah. he was playing up at 
uh, Terrapin Crossroads um, in the bar. And I was saying how, I was explaining how this show at, at Lockin last year was so phenomenal. I said, listen, you know, I've been listening to the record Layla since I was a freshman in high school. So 1975, I think it came out in 73, uh-huh. right? So I've been listening to this record for over 40 years. And if I'm driving in my car, and I have Sirius XM on, and maybe I have classic rock channel or classic vinyl on or, you know, something like that, and Layla comes on, I would say that there's a 75% chance that I will turn that song off. Because you burned out on it? Because I've heard it 5 million times, right? Okay. When they played Layla and Derek Truck started doing the Dwayne Allman slide part, I started crying. But you get chills. No, sure. I was crying. Literally crying, It was yes. the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Did because, they do the little birds at the end? Oh, of course. of course. I mean, I love, I love, love that record. But I, you know, and I'll listen to that record all the time, and I love all those those songs. Right. You know? Well, it's kind of like Any Stairway to and, Heaven. Yeah, yeah, I mean, come on now. Know, yeah, I think I find myself turning Stairway to Heaven off less. But really, let, yeah. it's funny <laughs> listen, because it's not it's, like I'll, it's not like I'll always turn Layla off. But you know, like sometimes, you know, like, like, yeah, I've heard it before. Uh, yeah, like uh. not not just have heard it before. Like I've heard it like my whole life too many times, and like I just didn't need to hear it. But when Derek Trucks and Trey Anastasia were soloing on this, like like Eric Clapton and Dwayne Allman, it truly was one of the most phenomenal things I've ever seen. And that's what Lockin is See, about. See, that's I'm having a FOMO moment. Right, Lockin right right Lockin puts together these unique. Combinations, jams, combinations of, yeah. and that's sort of been their their specialty. Festival Nation, celebrating the magical world of music festivals. Let's take a festival flashback as the Tedeschi Trucks Band play along with Trey Anastasio on a stage at Lockin in Arrington, Virginia, on August twenty fourth, twenty nineteen.
Festival Nation, celebrating the magical world of music festivals. I'm Marla Davies. Let's continue our conversation with rock photographer Jay Blakesburg, and we hear about a 2020 summer festival that is one for the history books. Uh, but anyway, so after lock-in, I will come back to the West Coast. Oh, actually, there's a new festival in there that I'm going to go to in between... Um, Mountain Jam and Lockin, there is the Hog Farm Hangout. <gasps> really? Right? With, With Wavy Gravy? Wavy and the oh. String Cheese Incident and Pigeons Playing Ping Pong. Oh, that sounds like fun. And that's up in the Hog Farm land. Up See, here. You know what? I bet you there's camping at that festival. Oh, there is. See, that's sure. what I love. I mean, are you a camper? No, oh. I stay in hotels, dude. <laughs> I, I need a I need a bed and a bathroom. Now I'm too old for that stuff. You're too old, but you used uh, to camp. But so, I like the camping vibe. So another festival in, thrown in the mix for that me this like year. Fun. So I'll be at the Hog Farm Hangout, and then I'll go back to Lockin right after that, and then I'll come back to San Francisco, and then I'll go back to the East Coast for uh, the Peach Festival. This is the Jay Blakesburg Summer Tour 2020 right here. Yeah, the pretty whole much. Thing. So. The Peach Festival is in I want. Uh, Georgia? No, 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 no. Oh. Scranton, Pennsylvania. Oh, I should know that I'm from Pete. How did they get a peach festival? Uh, you That's know weird. The, uh, the guy who puts it together, a guy named Dave Nabalski from Live Nation, who's just a wonderful human being. Uh, I believe this was his idea, his concept. He's a fan. And so, you know, Peach Festival started out. They had the Allman Brothers and 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 Tedeschi Trucks and Government Mule and Warren Haynes and JMO's Jazz Band and, you know, Greg Allman Band. And so it started out as a Allman Brothers-themed festival and now it's more of a jam band festival but they still have like um, an homage to the yeah, Brothers. always there's always something uh, and i've only been going for i've only gone for two years now this will be my third but year. you're shooting and you're so do you ever go as a festival goer you can't no, because you have to, no, no no i can't no you just can't no, i can't go to a festival that's a burden jay that's a burden i mean it's a responsibility because yes. i feel like it's important for me to document these important cultural moments you know yes. people go to these music festivals hoping to have these experiences and this profound moments around live music with like-minded individuals you know that's why we went and saw the grateful dead and yes. we truly had profound experiences and profound moments with those songs and those lyrics and robert hunter and jerry garcia and barlow and weir and lash etc etc and um uh and so we continue to look for that magic you know because because you know we want to we want to touch that magic in our lives we want to experience it right um, you know, when I do my presentation, you know, sometimes I talk about the fact that we do not want to have lives that are birth, school, work, death, right? There's all these other experiences to have in between birth, school, work, work and death. death. Yeah. So like you, you be born, you go to school, you cut school so you can go to see the Grateful Dead on tour somewhere, or you drop out of classes or whatever, you get a job, but you work your vacations around dead tour or, or whatever, quit your job you know, or quit your job at TGI Fridays or, <laughs> you know, whatever it might be. And, you know, again, you're chasing this magic. You're chasing the light. You're chasing the magic. You're chasing these experiences. Well, yeah, and, because and, well, I used to say the dead made me feel like I was going to church. Like I just, you well, know, it I was, still is. And that's what, yes. that's what going to Lockin is. And that's what going to Skull and Roses yes. is. And that's what going to Peach or Mountain Jam is that, you know, we, that's where, you know, you it's break funny. the pattern. So, you break so, the routine. so at Lockin Festival, um, every year it closes on Sunday morning with Grateful Gospel with Keller Williams. And that's Keller Williams with a full gospel group playing Grateful Dead songs in a gospel style. And we all say we're going to church and there's 10,000 people there watching Keller Williams and we're all now, Keller Williams is going to be at Skull and Roses. Oh, awesome. Actually, yeah. I guess I knew that. But wonder I wonder if he'll feel oh, yeah, no, the he's, oh, he's, oh, he's doing Grateful Grass. 
Oh yes, that's so right. he that's d- right. so he does a, gr- a a bluegrass version of Grateful Dead songs, which is another thing that you know is now you know now we have Grateful Shred and yeah. we have you know there's uh, uh, you know Jeff Austin rest in peace from you know Yonder Mountain String Band used to do a, a Grateful Dead thing with uh, the the other guys in Del McCurry's band the Traveling McCurry's and Jeff Austin used to do uh, a Grateful Dead. Uh, uh, bluegrass thing also billy strings this well jerry was a bluegrass of guy course, so it yeah. just fits that's so, perfect uh, absolutely so you know there's um uh it is church and and it you is know, and the thing about the thing about skull and roses which i'm really excited about is that um it is a grateful dead themed festival through and through absolutely and it's about the community right and it's so all about so that. that will be the community that will come so it will be a family reunion Right. All the people that are there are going to be people that either saw the Grateful Dead or have tapped into that Grateful Dead experience because they were too young when it was came right. out the first time. Or they've, you know, married a crazy deadhead and they've been converted to the. Yes, to, to there's the, a lot of conversion to, to the crazy, crazy cult that we all are part of. But that's. Thank you for saying that. You know, thank you for saying that cult, because when I went to college out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, my, I got on the airplane. And my mom was like, whatever you do, don't join a cult. Right. And then I joined the biggest cult in the world. Right. I think. Well, it's just really funny because people were always like, how come you never followed fish around? I'm like, because I was already a member of one cult. <laughs> yes, and I, I didn't have room for a second <laughs> cult in, in my life. <laughs> you know, it's funny. In, in, in 19, speaking of cult, in 1980, um, I was on Grateful Dead tour and I was, went up to Alaska to see the Grateful Dead. Really? Um, yep. It was June, summer solstice, 1980. Oh my. And I flew back, uh, actually, I'm sorry. I hitchhiked back, flew to Seattle, hitchhiked from Seattle to the Bay area, took BART from Berkeley to San Francisco, got off the BART in San Francisco and got accosted by the Moonies. Oh yes. But I didn't know they were the Moonies. And you they just thought they were deadheads. They invite, <laughs> they thought they were hippies and they invited yes. me over to a big mansion in Pacific Heights for dinner and, and you said, went because you were I, hungry. And I went because I was hungry. And, you know, and they said, oh, don't worry about it. You know, dinner's on us. And, you know, you'll listen to a little, um, you know, a talk afterwards. And it was a, a guy named Noah giving a whole religious thing. And then they try and get you to go up to their ranch in Mendocino. And once you go to the ranch in Mendocino, you never come back. Oh, my. You know, that's where they pro- deprogram you or brainwash At you. At least the dead let you go home right. after yeah, the tour. Exactly. <laughs> and so um, I escaped and I said, no, I have to go meet my friends in the Haight-Ashbury and I got more dead shows to go to and they got really mad at me and they didn't give me taxi money like they said they were going to do to get go to my friends. Oh my, this is really give, extreme. They made me give them $5 for my dinner and it was, oh, like, wow. it was like a whole thing, you know, and I was just like, and I didn't give them the $5, I just left. And I was wow, like, Jay, that's you really know, pushing But it. I found out later from like research that, you know, so, telling that story to somebody, they're like, no, they, the, those were the Moonies. Like they were the Moonies. Moonies. Yeah, because that's where they have the ranch in Mendocino and... Well, are the Moonies the same as the Hare Krishnas? No, no, oh. not at all. No, the okay. Moonies. Um, look remember at, the Moonies? The Moonies now remember, they're saying that. They ha- remember they had the big massive wedding in Madison Square Garden where they had 10,000 people, 5,000 couples, uh, arranged marriages, right? And this is, I think, I'm going to say this is either late 70s or early 80s. Early 70s, maybe. yeah. And uh, so, no, the, no, the Hare Krishnas are, you know, uh, they're Hare Krishnas and the Moonies are this... You know, more, more culty. More culty. I was telling my son about that, how, what a different time. I mean, the only thing is, you you know, and you'd go to the airport and you'd get accosted by hair at Krishna's, but I mean, all they wanted to do was like give you a hug yeah, or a flower and, or something. And, and, and we used to, I mean, when we used to see the hair at Krishna's on the streets of Berkeley or San Francisco when we were deadhead hippies traveling, we would chant and dance with them for fun, you know, because we were like, because they had the same kind of spirit. And we were hippies. And that's what we did. We danced and chanted. So, did. <laughs> <yeah>. Do. <laughs> that's our that's our makeup. That's our right. DNA. Exactly. So anyway, so, 
you know, Skull and Roses will have that Be all vibe. that. And Lockin has that vibe also. You know, Mountain Jam, Peach, Summer Camp, uh, Hangout. Those are more jam band festivals, right? But okay, but this still, is more Grateful Dead. Yeah, day, yeah. Skull and Roses and Lockin are, you know, like Lockin this year is celebrating Phil Lesh and his 80th birthday. Oh and my, okay. even though there are other things going on there that are not Grateful Dead, you know, that's sort of the overriding theme. But it's also, you know, the promoter is Pete Shapiro and uh, okay. Pete's a big deadhead. And so, uh, but I love the fact that, you know, Skull and Roses is, you know, really, really... Um, Me too. And, and, and in some ways it limits them to their audience, to deadheads, because if, if you're a jam band guy, you might not want to go to, you know, a very, very heavily themed Grateful Dead. I mean, yeah, some jam band people will because they love that music. Uh, but, it, but some people will be ripping their hair out like, I can't listen to another right, Box of Rain. Right, or, you yeah, know, why you know, not? because, you know, there's Jerry, there'll be Jerry Garcia cover bands and there'll be Grateful Dead cover bands and then there'll be Billy and the Kids and O'Teal and Friends. You know, and O'Teal, who's incredible and, and a dear, dear friend, you know, he's the one guy now that has spanned both the Allman Brothers and the Grateful Dead. And so he can come in and he can play both of those both both of those bands. You know, so many people say, well, O'Teal was the last bass player in the Allman Brothers. He's he wasn't Barry Oakley or he wasn't Lamar Williams or he wasn't Alan Woody, right? Barry Oakley was in the band for like five or six years before he was killed. You know, uh, um, Lamar Williams was in the band for like five or six years before the right. Allman Brothers broke up. And then when they came back, they had this guy named Rick Goldflies who was in Dickie Betts' band, and he was the uh, in the Allen Brothers for, you know, three, four, five years, and then Alan Woody was in the band when they got back together again for six, seven, eight years, I don't know exactly, and then O'Teal was in the band for 20-something years. I know. I mean, O'Teal is the most long-lasting bass player in the Allen Brothers. He's the legit dude, right? And so he can get up there, and he can get people like, you know, Dwayne Betts, who plays in the Allman Betts band, who's uh-huh. incredible to come and play Blue Sky with them. And it's legit, man. He's, you know, yeah, Dwayne is Dickie's son. He's got and, the chops. And he's got the chops, and O'Teal's got the chops, and he's yeah. got the energy. And so... There's you know, a lot of surprises when, with O'Teal and friends. You just don't, you know, yeah, just aren't going to know. It's so, yeah, so... It'll be know, fun. Skull and Roses. I mean, for me, as a deadhead... And the Ventura County Fairgrounds, which is beautiful, right on the coast. Absolutely. It's going to bring back some crazy memories yeah. going back there. And just, you know, having the Shakedown Street and just hanging out with a bunch of my people. Yeah. I'm, I'm You know, I'm just excited. like Bob Weir said, you know, we are misfits playing for misfits. Right? So <laughs> yeah. that's what we're going to do. We're going to be a bunch of misfits who are all together that have that same like-minded experience. And we love this music and we love that songbook. And we love all these bands that reinvent that songbook and reinterpret that songbook in their own unique ways. And uh, I mean, I'm excited to see Billy and the Kids again. Me what too. A, what a band! I mean, Tom Hamilton, Reed Mathis, Ang- uh, Aaron Magner, and Billy Kreutzmann. I mean, love that. I band. was just listening to the Dead Channel on the way up here, and I'm—I forget—I forget the song. It was a Dead song, and it had a, little, a lot of giddy up on it. I was like, "What? Who's this?" Billy and the Kids. Billy and the Kids. Yeah, huh? so I made me oh, think, gosh, yeah. that's going to be great to see them yeah, at so, Skull and Roses. So just amazing. Um, well, yeah. you're talking about the great American, you know, songbook and the adventure. And I, w- I was reading something you said. Well, Jerry said it. Jerry once said, following the dead truly is the great American adventure. And we both have followed the dead. I mean, I I, I went on tour and sold bumper stickers. and Yeah. And I even sold, I even tried to go back recently and sell earrings uh-huh. and Shakedown Street. And I thought, geez, the competition is just too right. much now. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you were doing that in the early 80s, yeah. let's say. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, there I was, was, you know, there were 10 or 15 vendors. You could support yourself. We was, did. We supported ourselves on tour yeah. selling Jerry's Kids bumper stickers. Or, or selling e- beaded earrings. You know, literally oh, you yeah. make, make, you know, two pairs of earrings and sell them for $10 yes. a pair. And you'd have $20 in your pocket. That's all you needed for a ticket because they were only $13. I know. 
shows. And you, you can know? support yourself on tour. And then I tried to sell the earrings on Shakedown a, a couple tours ago. Uh-huh. And then I realized I came home with almost all those earrings. I realized the only thing I could do was barter. And hippies right. love to bar- sure. barter. So I bartered like, hey, how about a pair of earrings for a... Uh, anklet you know or could i get a pipe for two pairs of earrings and right, so I, yeah i just trade yeah, stuff. sure and, that, and that's great i mean you know it's Don't great to that. live in a barter system so yeah it's a good barter system and so then either you or jerry said they said that you know we took this the great american adventure to heart and we took this to heart and we did that we went on the great american adventure with the american rock band that had a great american songbook we lived by those words and traveled by those words and grew to that music and became a family of freaks and misfits it was the greatest time of our lives pretty much that brings a tear to my eye yeah i mean i mean that, it i mean, I mean that's it. Thank you know you. and 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 so you know of course we just lost robert hunter and um you know there's, so there's been a lot of discussion like where does robert hunter fit in the in the overall scheme of american poets you know who write songs and in my opinion you know there's bob dylan and there's Robert Hunter. I um, couldn't agree with you, know, you more. And, and I think, you know, and I'm not saying that Tom Petty's not a phenomenal songwriter or Neil Young or or uh, Joni Mitchell or... They're great you know, songwriters. Uh, you know, uh, Lennon McCartney, you know, Jagger Richards, you know, obviously British, not American, but still you get, <laughs> right. you, you get the picture, right? You know, but, you know, Robert Hunter's lyrics are so deep and profound. And I personally think that, you know, that there are only two and they're both Bobs, Bob Hunter, Bob Dylan. And so that's just my opinion. And so, you know, you talk about the great American songbook and Robert Hunter is responsible for that songbook uh, in a, in a deep way, of course, with the music of Jerry and the Grateful Dead. But, uh, uh, and that's what we're going to go celebrate at Skull and Roses. Absolutely. He painted a picture with his words that this, the way he put the words together, they're so beautiful and just, it's just, it takes you, to a different place. Like you can really travel in time to where he's talking about, you know, and, and all these dead songs. I love Robert Hunter. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree. Yeah. We're, we're deadheads. Yeah. Do you remember that real quick? I know we got to wrap it up with Jay Blakesburg, renowned rock photographer, filmmaker, and deadhead. Did you instantly become a deadhead? Did it take a couple shows? What, uh, what was it? Well, uh, it probably took um, a few shows, uh, copious amounts of LSD, um, <laughs> did you ha- you have to take do you have to take drugs to like the Grateful Dead? No. Does it make it better? For some people. For me it did. Uh I think that you know I I I can remember myself in the living room of my mother's house where the only stereo was at the time. I don't know why I didn't have a stereo in my room for whatever reason playing a cassette of a live dead from 69 tape from 1969 and dancing by myself with dance like nobody's watching. Nobody was there and I'm just dancing in the den to this music that that made me want to move, made me want to groove, you know. I started going to dead shows and I'd walk around the parking lot in 1978 or 1979 and I didn't know anybody, but I felt like I knew everybody. You know, you knew you found your people and eventually you found more of those people and then the more shows you went to, you found the people that were going from show to show because back in 1980, there was a very small amount of people that were quote unquote on tour on tour. And I went on tour in 1983. I had graduated from college and from USC. And I thought I was going to get this high power job, blah, 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 radio or this and that. And 
Somebody said, let's go and tour. And I thought that was a really good idea. Yeah. But it did feel like a, a breaking away from the societal yeah. norms. Is this, is this okay? I mean, I, I, you know, it, I had a little bit of weirdness there. Of course. And even in 83, there were still a few more years before it got really, really out of control. I'm so but, you know, But so the number of people and the number of people that really were on tour were, were you know, a few hundred maybe. Yeah. As small. opposed to several thousand and, uh, and they were dedicated. I mean, we were dedicated. We knew each other. We'd city to city. We knew each other. Yeah. It was, I, I'm so glad because we, they've dead played those songs over and over. They were working out their catalog that came out, you know, in the dark, came sure. out in 87. Uh-huh. And so they were playing all the songs all along the way. Yeah, and, they started and, in 82. And we heard them. And so they're like, this is the new Grateful Dead song. And we laughed because we're like, we've been listening to that for years. Five years. Took them five years. They, they worked actually, that out. They debuted Throwing Stones and Touch of Grey for the first time on on the West coast, they played it on a tour earlier in Oct- in the, in the fall of 82 on the East coast, but on the West coast at the frost amphitheater in 82, October of 82, they did 10, 10, 82. That's I, my, that's my deadhead day. I was there. I was there. Yeah. Was the amphitheater yeah. man. You're probably yeah. right. I Jay and I, I mean, we've been yeah. a lot, so many shows yeah. together. I've been a hundred, I actually brought a tape recorder and we, they didn't have taping section then. And I brought a big fat tape recorder shoved down my, Pants and, <laughs> oh gosh, I mean, it made it a lot tape, easier. Is that a tape recorder in your pants? You're just happy to see me. me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so, uh, you know, that's where they debuted Throwing Stones and Touch of Grey for the first time on the West Coast. And it took them five years to put it out on a record. And we still, and my t- I still have tapes that say Ashes to Ashes. Uh, probably. Because we I, didn't know what the about, title about, of it was. I don't was. know, five, six, seven years ago, I gave all my tapes away. Oh, wow. I don't know why, but I, I couldn't. Did. I can't. Yeah. I just, I earned those and right. I can't get rid of those. Yeah. I can't. I'm, I'm a, a little bit of pack rat. When I came here to see Jay, he said, I could talk for three hours, but we'll have to take this up at Skull and Roses. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Festival Nation, where we're always celebrating the magical world of music festivals. Jay, thank you so much thank for all you. your time. And so again, much fun. Just one last reminder, rockoutbooks.com to check out my books and my prints if you want to see what I've been up to all these years. Absolutely worth it for sure. Thank you. Festival Nation, celebrating the magical world of music festivals. Thanks to Jay Blakesburg, renowned rock and roll photographer and filmmaker. Coming up on Festival Nation, we'll talk to Dead and Company's Oteil Burbridge and Jerry Garcia Band's Melvin Seals. We're also adding a new feature called Festival Flashback. Love to hear your favorite festival memories. Please reach out. Shoot me an email, festivalnationpodcast at gmail.com. Or hit me up on social, on Facebook and Instagram at Festival Nation, or on Twitter at Nation Festival. And check out all of our podcasts on the Pantheon Podcast Network, at Pantheon Pods. To hear music featured on this podcast, please click on the link in the show notes. Any music used in this Festival Nation podcast is owned by the artist and is used for educational and illustration purposes only. Keep music alive and support your favorite artists by buying their music wherever you download it or go to your favorite record store. Thanks for checking out, liking, sharing, and following Festival Nation on the Pantheon Podcast Network and wherever you listen to your podcasts. We will get by. We will survive. Talk to you next time. Peace. Peace, love, and music. Thanks for being part of the tribe. From Marla Davies and everyone here at Festival Nation, until next time, tune in, turn on.